1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll read three verses from verse 20 through to verse 23. So 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Ending there in, in verse 22. So it's a short reading this morning, but these verses contain a lot of truth. And um, there's a lot here for us to discover and to understand about the resurrection of our, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I thought it would be helpful just to begin with a question, and that question is, what would you say is the most significant event in history? Some might answer that question by saying, well, it was, it was the collapse of the Roman Empire. That was the most significant. Or some might say, the invention of the internet. That's certainly very significant for our lives today. Some might say the Reformation. Imagine if, if the Reformation didn't take place the spiritual darkness that there might be. And you could say, well, all of these events were significant, but they pale in comparison um, to to that which is the most significant. And, And that's the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection is the most significant event in history. You could ask, well, what's the most important point of Christianity? What's the most important doctrine, the most important teaching of the Bible? And there's many things you could answer to that. But what's the most important point? What, what point does Christianity either stand or fall on? And the answer again is the resurrection. If the resurrection is not true, then, then all of this is, 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 is make-believe. There's one Christian author who once said, the Christian faith is dead if Jesus is not alive. And so the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the fact that he rose again from the dead, is the most significant event in history, the most in, one of the most important truths of Christianity. The fact that the resurrection takes place proves that, that, that Jesus is who he said he was. That's one reason why it's significant, because it proves that he really is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It also proves that he really did die for our sins, and, 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 and that he was the saviour of the world. The resurrection also proves that the Father accepted the price that Jesus paid. That's another reason why it's significant. Another reason why the resurrection is significant is because if the resurrection did not happen, then the ministry of Jesus ended at the cross. Jesus is not in heaven interceding for the believers. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. If Christ did not rise, he's not praying for us in heaven. He didn't send the Holy Spirit like he promised he would. But the fact is Christ is risen. And so he is doing these things. He is interceding on our behalf. If Christ did not rise, then he wouldn't be coming back. He won't be returning to judge the world in righteousness. And so we can see the resurrection is fundamental to the Christian faith and to to the history of the world. The resurrection is important because it proves that Jesus did conquer death and sin. It proves it. And also the resurrection is important because it guarantees the resurrection of believers, that we too one day will be raised to new life. And these are just some of the reasons why the resurrection of Jesus is so significant. 
so important and so central to the Christian faith and the most significant event in history. Now, all of these reasons are important and and, and, and it's important that we all understand each of these reasons given. But our passage this morning focuses really on that final reason as to why the resurrection was important. Because the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection as believers. That's what the verses focus on this morning that we've just read. And that's what I want to just to spend our time looking at. This uh, passage tells us that history affects our future. In this passage we see how the resurrection of Jesus directly affects us who believe how is it that the resurrection affects you and me what difference does it make to our lives to our future to our eternity well this is what we find answered in this question this morning and this is what I want us to spend a brief time looking at and so let's look together at these few verses it begins with verse 20 Paul makes a statement. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And that word now should have emphasis on it. You can tell from the original, the way, the way that it's written, that Paul is, is emphasizing that point. He's saying if it was, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And the reason why he puts so much emphasis on that is because he is saying that everything he's just said in verses 12 to 19 is not true. You can read verse 12 to 19, and he's addressing people in the church at Corinth who believed that there was no resurrection, that the dead don't rise. And so Paul said, well, if the dead don't rise, then Christ isn't risen. Your faith is in vain, and we're of all people to be most pitied. And so Paul is saying that, and he's, he's, he's going through that. And then at the end, in verse 20, he says, but now Christ is risen. The fact is, all of that is not true. Christ is risen and the dead do rise. And instead of us being pitied, most pitied above all men, he says, he says, actually, we should be rejoicing because Christ is risen. We're the most blessed people on the planet. We have a living saviour. Paul is making the point that this is a historical fact. This really happened. Now, he's already made this point in the beginning of the chapter. You can read how he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then in verse 6, this is what he says. And then he says, After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And it's as though Paul is saying there in verse 6, You can go and ask them. They're still alive. Go to Jerusalem. Speak to them. They will tell you what they saw. And so Paul is establishing that this is a fact. Christ has risen from the dead. This is true. And Paul is making sure that the readers understand this with this statement. He wants them to know that instead of them being most pitied, they should be rejoicing. Because Jesus has conquered death. He rose again from the dead, victorious. He has conquered sin and death. Now this was good news for the Christians in Corinth. And they should be rejoicing. And it's good news for us who believe today. Our saviour is a living saviour. We don't serve a dead saviour. We have a victorious saviour. One who conquered sin on the cross and conquered death in his resurrection. And so we should be rejoicing. This is wonderful news for us. We're not believing in vain. We will see him face to face. He is risen. He is alive. Now there are many religious leaders in the world today who didn't conquer death. Name any religious leader off the top of your head. They all died and they're still dead. But Jesus Christ conquered death. He came to rescue people from the bondage of death. And he did so in his resurrection. He achieved our salvation not just by dying in our place on the cross, but by rising again. We serve a living saviour. 
And that's what Paul says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. But, but what does this mean for those who believe? Well, we've touched on it already, but Paul speaks about it there at the end of verse 20. He says this, he says, Christ is risen, and then he says, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He says, Jesus has risen, and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So what does that mean? Well, by the phrase, those who have fallen asleep, Paul is referring to people who have died. And the fact that he uses the metaphor of sleep, he uses the picture of someone sleeping to speak about death, shows that, that the resurrection is our hope. That people won't stay dead in the grave. That they will be raised. That we have resurrection hope. And so he uses the picture of sleeping to show that death is not final. Death is not the end. There is the resurrection. And Paul says that, that those who, who have fallen asleep, Christ has become the first fruits. So what does that mean? Well, Paul there is saying that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection. The first fruits that he's referring to was a principle in the Old Testament. Whenever they had a harvest in the Old Testament, the, they would always take their first sheaf to the temple as an offering to God. The first fruits was the crop that would grow first, and they would, they would take that as an offering to the temple. And Paul is saying that's what Christ is like. Now, the first fruits was a, was, was a guarantee of what was to come. It was a taste, if you like, of what was expected later on. And Paul is saying that this is what the resurrection of Christ is. It's a taste and guarantee of what's to come for those who believe in Christ. The first fruits. And so what he's saying is that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection. Those who believe in Jesus, because he rose again, we too will rise from the dead. Now Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And that's what Paul is saying here. Christ is the first fruits. He has risen. We shall rise. His resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection. Now what a wonderful hope we have in Jesus. What a wonderful guarantee we have. As, as you get older, and I'm starting to experience it already, believe it or not. But as you, my elbow creaks. And, but as you get older, your body starts to wind down, doesn't it? It doesn't work the way it used to. Maybe you know loved ones who, who know Christ and, and they're not like they used to be. I can think of my mom. She's, her health is bad. She's not how she used to be. Well, because of Christ, she has hope of a, of a glorified body, a new body, in which there is no sickness or death. Because of Christ, because he lives, we know that we shall live. Because he is risen, we know that we shall rise. And it's a wonderful hope that we, that we have as Christians. But if a person's here this morning and, and you're not a Christian, then it must be said clearly that this hope is not yours for as long as you are without Jesus. That's the reality. But the good news this morning is that this hope is offered to you by Jesus. That if you turn to him, if you repent and believe in him, then you can experience this wonderful hope for yourself. And so after Paul has explained that Christ is the first fruits, that his resurrection guarantees ours, we see that he goes on and he explains further these wonderful truths. And next he goes on and tells us why all of this was necessary. Maybe you're thinking, I just don't get it. Why, why was this necessary? Well, Paul goes on and he tells us why in verse 21. In verse 21, Paul says this, For by man came death. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. And so Paul is saying here that Christ had to die and become the first fruits, if you like, because death came by man. 
Adam, who is being referred, referred to here, the first man that was created, he brought death into the world. And Paul is saying that because man brought death through sin, through the fall, you can read about it in Genesis 3, death entered the world. Because of that, now there must be a resurrection. If God is going to have a redeemed people for himself, a, a, a people that, that Christ can call his bride, then there must be a resurrection. The dead must be raised. And so in order for that to happen, uh, the resurrection needs to take place. And so that's why the second part of verse 21 came to pass. It says, since by man came death, so death came through Adam. Then it says, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Since death came through a man, Adam, God in his infinite wisdom saw that, it should, that the resurrection should also come through a man. Since it was a man that brought us into this mess, God saw fit that it should be a man who would take us out of it. And this man, of course, is referring to Jesus Christ. Death came through Adam, but the resurrection comes through Jesus. Now, at the end, in, in, verse, in verse 47 of this same chapter, this is what it says. It says, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. That's Adam. Then it says, the second man is the Lord from heaven. And that's Jesus. Death came through the first man, came through Adam, through his sin. His death was passed to all of us. But the resurrection came through the creator himself, who became a man in order to give us life. Now, we often sing a well-known hymn at Christmas, or carol, and it's probably going to be in your head all day now when I mention it. Hark the herald angels sing. It's one that we all know. It, it contains wonderful Christmas truths, but it also contains wonderful Easter truths as well. Just listen to what it says in one of the verses. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. There's the resurrection. And then it says, mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Christ was born so that we may no more die. So that we might be raised. That's why Christ came. To defeat death. To save us from death. To give us eternal life. And this is why the truth of Jesus Christ resurrection is so important in jesus in the resurrection jesus undid all that adam had done adam brought sin and death into this world christ came to defeat sin on the cross and to defeat death in his resurrection eternal life comes through the resurrection of jesus he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep because he is risen if you know jesus then you too will one day rise we will have a glorified body and we will dwell with him we will be with him forever in the new creation, new heavens and the new earth as it's described in Revelation. And so we've seen that Christ is the first fruits of those who will rise. We've seen why all of this was necessary. Because death came into the world, so Christ came to defeat death. And finally, Paul, if you like, tells us how we can experience this ourselves. And he tells us this in the final verse. He, in this final verse, verse 22, he covers truths he's already, he's already covered, but he also gives us some more profound truth as well. Verse 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And this is our final verse, and we'll look at it quickly. And it just really seals everything that we've just 
we've just been looking at. First he says, in Adam all die. What does that mean? Well, in order to understand that statement, we need to understand what the Bible tells us about the human race. It tells us that Adam is our representative. He represented the human race before God. He was our covenant head, if you like, the head of the race. He was the one who who represented us before God. And when Adam fell, we all fell. He he took us with him. When I I was in Bible college once, um, they did a helpful illustration. They stood all the students at the front and they tied all our shoelaces together. And one of them was pushed and we all went. And it's, that's what it was like with Adam. We're all connected to Adam. We're united to him. And when he fell, when he brought death, we all died. And if you're, that, that, that's the natural position of all who are born. We're born in Adam. And because of that, we, we will all die. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin and death came through Adam, through the first man, through his rebellion. And now his sinfulness and his mortality has passed to us. We could illustrate it another way. We could think about a baby that is born to parents who are slaves. When this letter was written in the Roman Empire, slavery was, was very common. And if a, if a child was born to parents who were slaves, then that child belonged to the slave master. It was born into slavery. The, the parents were in bondage. The child was born into bondage. And that's what we're like. Adam was, was brought into the bondage of death because of his sin. And we're his offspring. And we're born into that same bondage. And what we need is someone to redeem us from the bondage of death. We need someone to rescue us from this sorry state. And this is where the second part of that verse comes in. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yes, all who are in Adam will die, that's true. But the truth is also that all who are in Christ will be made alive. The verse here tells us that that Jesus has undone what Adam did. Christ broke the power of death in his resurrection. Now this verse is not saying that every single person on the planet will experience this. Not every single person is in Christ. Every person is in Adam, that's true. We're all united to him by our natural birth. But in order to be in Christ... You need to believe in him. It's those who are in Christ who receive this life spoken about here. And Paul is saying if you are a Christian, if you've repented and believed, if you're trusted in Jesus, then you are in Christ. He is your new covenant head. He is your new representative before the Father. He is the one that you are now in, the one you are united to. And Paul is saying if you are in Christ, then you shall be made alive. Because he has conquered death, now we too will have victory over death. Death has no hold on us. Yes, the Corinthian Christians were born in Adam by their natural birth. But Paul is saying, if you've been born again, then you are in Christ. You are in Christ. And all in Christ shall be made alive. What did Paul mean when he said that they shall be made alive? Well, he's referring to the resurrection, yes. But he's referring to more than that. He's referring to eternal life as a whole. He's saying that if you are in Christ then you shall live with God forever. That's what he's saying here. And what was true of the Christians then in the first century is true of us today. If you are in Christ, then you shall be made alive. Maybe you know loved ones who are in Christ. The word of God says that they shall be made alive. What a wonderful hope we have. Death is not the end. 
It's just the beginning of so much more, so much better, so much more than we now experience. But if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, then your current state is in the beginning of this verse, as in Adam all die. You're still in Adam. And there's physical death spoken about in this verse. There's also spiritual death. It's speaking about hell. And if you stay in Adam, then that's where you will be. But the good news here this morning is that in Christ you shall be made alive. And Jesus calls you to himself this morning. If you're not a Christian, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Make this hope your hope this morning by repenting and believing in him. Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. All who believe in him, though they may die, yet they shall live. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so in this passage, we have the fact of the resurrection. But now Christ is risen from the dead. He has become the first fruits. Because he is risen, we will rise. We're told about the need for the resurrection. Death came through man. So it was only right that the resurrection would come through man as well. And that's what God in his infinite wisdom has done. Christ God, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, became a man in order to redeem us from the bondage of death. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. We saw how a person can have this hope for themselves. You need to be in Christ and you can be in Christ if you believe in him, if you repent and believe. And what's the hope of those who are in Christ? They will live with God forever, with glorified bodies which can never die. What a glorious hope we have as Christians. Resurrection hope. And as it says later in this chapter, this mortality, this body of mortality shall put on immortality. This body of corruption shall put on incorruption. What a wonderful hope we have as as Christians. Death should no longer be feared by the believer. Christ has defeated death. Death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its power. For the Christian, death means new life. Death means resurrection. And we have this hope because Jesus has risen from the dead. He has conquered death and we share in his victory. So as we finish, how should we respond this morning to these truths? What should our response be? Well, if you're a Christian, then our response should be uh, rejoicing. We should praise God. We should not fear death. It should not be something we live in fear of. We should resolve our lives to live for Christ and to look forward to the, the glorious future we have. We should live our lives as pilgrims and sojourners in this world. We should live for the glory of Christ. We should live obedient, holy lives because we've passed from death to life. That's how we should respond this morning, with renewed um, submission to our Lord Jesus. A renewed resolve to live for him until we go to be with him. But if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, how should you respond? Well, if you've understood any of these truths, then this... This should be what you want. You should want this hope for yourself. If if you've understood anything of what I've said this morning, then you should be longing for this hope to be yours. And the good news is that it can be if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to overcome the fear of death, one way to escape the penalty of our sins, one way to have hope beyond the grave, and that's by believing in Jesus. In Christ shall all be made alive. And you can be in Christ if you repent and believe just going to pray and then hand back over to to Ashley. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We thank you that it's a fact. We thank you that it it undid 
all that Adam had done. And we thank you that if we are in Christ, we shall be made alive. Father, we thank you for this glorious hope we have. We, we praise you and we say that we love you. Father, help us as we continue through the rest of this day to celebrate the resurrection. But Lord, help us also to live our lives in light of the glorious hope of the resurrection which we have. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.